0: Welcome to the third and final iteration of the War Manga Critics Podcast. I'm your host, Salvatore, and my two co-hosts,
1: Israe Ramos, Miguel Cantu.
0: In the previous episode, we talked about religion, wealth, and the Chao in the fourth through six chapters of Slaughterhouse-Five. In this episode, we will talk about the conditions of POWs during the last four chapters, an analysis on the Palm Sunday Sermon, and also Billy's mental health as well as the bombings that took place during world war ii we will also get some background from a special guest that will be joining us soon sit tight as we jump straight in hello and welcome to our first segment um, today we're here with our special guest mrs Solario how are you mrs salario i'm doing well
2: how are you guys
0: we're doing good. pretty good so you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself
2: yeah so i'm a, a history teacher at kennedy high school i've taught for six years um I do um obviously enjoy studying history of uh, the topics that I think i'm i'm most uh I would consider myself more, more well-versed on our Latin American issues. Um, and yeah, I think that that's, that's pretty much, yeah, where, where most of my expertise lies.
0: Oh, that's pretty cool. So uh, we, we're reading a book in English about uh, like a POW, his name is Billy Pilgrim and he gets captured by the Nazis uh, during World War II and he, it just, the book goes through, like, all the, you know, how the hardships he went through. And we just wanted to know, like, a little bit more about, uh, like, POWs during World War II, if you could give us some insight about that.
2: Okay, so <clears throat> obviously it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a, a little difficult to, <clears throat> sorry, it's a little difficult to, um, exactly, right? So obviously that's something we teach in history that you're not going to 100% know. The best we can do is, through, like, the study of primary sources and things like that. So um, people can still lie in letters, right? So then that's also something interesting that, you know, journals can also not tell the full 100% truth. But uh, what we can kind of figure out, uh, thankfully, or depending on how you fall on that, that you know, that sort of conversation, um, in 1929, you had the Geneva Convention where they pretty much, Um, this was like post-World War I stuff, right? Where they were talking about that uh, prisoners of war should still have rights, right? Something we would consider like human rights. Um, And so, um, and essentially there was was ways that you had to pretty much treat prisoners of war, right? You can't just unilaterally kill them all or uh torture etc that definitely did happen so now we're getting into the the actual answering of your question uh we obviously know that they were interrogated right where are your ally, where are your buddies where where are they hiding what else do you have planned etc um from things that i've read it was obviously pretty boring right so if you were stuck there for a month or so <clears throat> um there wasn't too much freedom for you to you know venture out and do whatever you wanted so uh you know, obviously it was, it was it was a prison, so then you didn't have all the liberties to do stuff. So. Now, so then that being said, on the more human rights side, like I mentioned, uh, the YMCA surprisingly and the Red Cross were actually able to send uh, aid to these uh, prisoners of war. Okay, so then they uh, they did receive. Um, Sort you know certain medicine if they needed it they did receive uh, shipments of, of certain regular everyday items, um, and that's obviously speaking more for the for prisoners that were American right. So uh, on the converse right there's also this like this idea that Americans always treated prisoners of war well and that's not always the case obviously right. So. Um, yeah, that's that's some of the basic stuff, and I don't know if you have, like, follow-up questions so I don't just, like, over-talk for, forever.
0: Yeah, I have a follow-up question on that. So, in, in the book reading, um, like, the Russians were treated pretty harshly compared to, like, the Englishmen and
2: the Americans. Was there, like, an underlying reason for that? Um, as far as I can tell on the surface, I, I will say that I, I don't know, but I think we can discover this together as a team that um it may have been... A lot more animosity towards the Russians, right? Um, The communist part of it, the Mm -hmm. fact that they were, you know, that Stalin and Hitler were both egomaniacs that obviously, you know, were still upon each other. Um, There also was this, how do I, how would I say, again, like, so the idea that we, we as historians, right, um, don't really have a moral, a moral compass that everyone agrees on, right? But again, this idea that if you treat American prisoners wrong, like there's probably going to be a lot of of uh, of backlash per se. If not now, then in the future, right? As the as the U.S. is becoming this like prominent world leader, um, so they, they, do you guys have certain uh, arguments for that? Uh,
0: I mean. N- yeah, I think the the U.S. is like a big example because uh, wasn't like the U.S. like a growing a growing power during World War II? Yeah,
2: I yeah.
3: So. I mean, they grew in power after World War One.
0: Yeah, so maybe they like they maybe set an example, like you said. Uh, uh, yeah, that's what I think about. Yeah, it. and the only reason why
2: I said that, like like I said, I'm not. I don't have exact examples, so then you guys may have a little more. Uh, practice with this, is that after World War II, then there is this idea that the U.S. almost sets the stage of what human rights abuses are and what, uh, I mean, it's the allies, but the U.S. being at the center of it all. And and conflicts now, let's say in 2021, the idea that American prisoners of war would be mistreated or tortured or whatever, it comes with a, a very, very, very strong response from the U.S. and now the United Nations, et cetera, right? Like that... Um, and so then that's what I'm saying is that then also because Germany probably felt like they were, they had a pretty decent upper hand with, against Russia, they may say, well, you know, they, we definitely hate them more, right? The U.S. wasn't initially part of the conflict. And once yeah. they became, it was kind of like this afterthought while they definitely were feeling the Russian presence from the eastern uh, border all throughout the conflict.
0: So uh, we have another question. Oh, sorry, sorry, I, sorry. I'm
2: I'm sorry. I I remember one one final point. Sorry. So remember that that Germany invaded all of those Eastern European countries, Poland, etc. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Russia viewed those countries as also Slavic people, right? Very similar. So they felt like they needed to defend these individuals, and that is also probably something that rubbed Germany the wrong way, right? To put it very simply, is that. Um, you know that they. You know why is this your business? We're invading Poland, not you. Yet Russia said, you know, stay away from these people that are, clo- you know, they're closer to us and resemble more of our values than yours.
0: Okay. So I have another question. Do you like? uh Do you know about like any bombings that took place, like that the Allies done, or like the the Axis nations would have done, like during
2: World War? II? Yeah. So um, so there. Are a few obviously that that people kind of know more basic. Like I said, I don't I don't study a lot of military history, so um, we do know Dresden, right? So that was about twenty five thousand uh, civilians that were that were killed. Um, there's also Essen. Um, <clears throat> there's also obviously the bombings in in Berlin, and um, a lot of those were considered i suppose more strategic than actual you know than just trying to kill large amounts of people again maybe this is our own american bias trying to clean up whatever happened but a lot of these were like strategic targets of like rail lines factories uh places where where germany was trying to keep up their war machine
0: yeah so follow up on that uh, you said about dresden so the book takes place in dresden and uh so we want to know: uh, Was there like any under like why did they bomb Dresden if it didn't really like, have a strategic like advantage? It, it, wasn't it just like a civilian city?
2: Um, let me see. thinking about that. I know that they did pinpoint industrial areas, but again, that's not to say that you know this idea that there are certain cities that were full of civilians, right? It's kind of, yeah.
3: Oh, can I make a comment? Yeah, sure. Um, so I believe, like this, from previously when we we're talking about like POWs and um America's standpoint, I feel like there's a certain amount of hypocrisy there, because, I mean, America did bomb Hiroshima, and Nagasaki, a majority of civilians. Uh, the Allies did bomb bomb way more than Germany if we look at the statistics. And um, there was this recent, well, not so recent, but a modern era issue where it was like Abu Dhabi prison and um, the Americans were like torturing and dehumanizing the POW So I feel like there's a certain amount of hypocrisy there and it's like there's gray lines that we can't exactly like escape from.
2: Sure. Yeah. Sure. Obviously, and, th- and that that goes back to what I mentioned earlier is that um, there there is a how do I, how would I say like a in history there is this need and this and it's obviously part of the discipline to be critical and be objective no matter what right so I definitely agree with you that um, to yeah for the U.S. to say nobody can use nuclear weapons in twenty twenty one. Only two nuclear weapons were used before, both used by the U.S., right? So it's like, how do you set the standard? Uh, And as you said, you know, hypocritically enact those actions and then say, step back and say, nobody else can do it, right? Or nobody should do it. And it's like, well, how come you get to, right? So, yeah, I definitely understand that. And I agree. Like, as I told you before, uh, as a historian or as a person who studies history, I'm not here to be. Uh, an apologist for the u s for the things that the that the military did and such, which I know that there's gonna be more questions that kind of pertain to this so um yeah
1: yeah I feel like uh like in my opinion, America just wants to show like a set of dominance that they have the better economic resources than than like other countries i don't know that's just my opinion.
2: And you're saying that uh, present day or you're saying during World War II or you're saying, like, after?
1: Uh,
2: it could be both. It could be both, like,
1: after World War II because, after, cause, like, after they won, you know, they focused more on, like, on the Soviets, like, whether they have the better economic resources, hence why the Cold War was, like, was there. Just so, like, like... Uh, who has the better bombs or you know like the, the race to the moon like that and maybe it could be shown like in the present day
3: I mean yeah well it's not exactly just like an economic thing because I mean they were pretty like pretty bad over there their, you know the struggles with their economy but it was more of an arms race and they focused more of their uh, profit and money towards you know building arms and Showing superiority compared to others.
0: Yeah. So uh, moving on. Um, so during the during the book, um, there's a guy named uh, Edgar Edgar Derby, and after the after Dresden gets bombed, uh, he goes into looting, and one of the German soldiers actually like accuses him of stealing um, the loot that they're uh, stealing from the dead bodies. And they actually uh, like they they had a firing squad of him and they shot him to death. So I just wanted to know, like, was there like harsh punishments that like were Germans really strict on the like the punishments they gave?
2: So yeah, um, so for one, you calling it loot is definitely hilarious Uh, if it wasn't so if it wasn't so (laughs) so so morbid, right? But yeah, like yeah, you know, press X over the body, and so. Um. Yeah, but yeah, I know now. Now everybody's gonna be like, damn, that Solario guy's crazy. No, the book is Solario. <laughs> the book is full of dark. Yeah. So then, um, yeah, and so then, um, uh, yeah, so then there's also this that I that I read up <clears throat> in prepar- preparing for this. I think the punishments and the and the the brutality got more intensified as the U.S. As sorry, excuse me, as the as the Germans started to notice that they were probably gonna lose. So there was a lot of desperation where, you know, again, these are like individual interactions, you know, between one American or, or one, you know, prisoner of war and one German that is kind of like showing this example of, of a very desperate and, uh, and um, you know, aggressive Germany that's gonna go down swinging, right? So yeah, I definitely agree that maybe even early on it was it was a, a bit more pacific right you know then also there's you know several years six years of fighting or so right so at first you don't know how long the conflict's going to be so it's kind of like oh, okay ha 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 right you kind of position each other you str- you know strategize now after years of this where every single day is is uh completely filled up with uh with this conflict then there is you know more desperation and more brutality that comes from it
0: Well, do you guys have any other questions? Yeah,
2: questions? Uh,
3: from regarding like previous chapters, not the ones uh, we're speaking of today. Um, well, it adds, adds on to from the current chapters we have read. But um, I read something about like they used the the bot like the fat from gypsies and other like Jewish people to make soap, and like they bathed with the soap. And I also read that. Um, I think it was in chapter seven or eight. They greased cars with uh, the fat of like dead animals. Like, what's the whole issue with them using like dead bodies and stuff for you know soap, especially
2: like the gypsies? Like, I, I am not sure, right? So I, I I wouldn't be able to answer that. I not I've never heard of that. Um, so that'd be something that you know we have to further research and and think about. But um, yeah um. That is definitely interesting. It's kind of yeah. dark. like in
1: the, like in the past, I do remember like certain torture methods that was like really really gruesome. Like I remember like they put a bucket like in like in your stomach, and and inside the bucket was rats, and then they put heat on it, and then the rats would just dig into your stomach. Like like in the past, there were just like really torture methods, and I think like that's what some of the Germans did, I guess you know, like with using dead people as soaps.
3: Yeah, but like, did they know it was like dead bodies, you know, fat to make the soap? Though, like, what was the whole point of making somebody bathe in
1: it? I have no answer for that.
3: I, mean, I don't think it's torture. I just think it's like you know, messed up. But like, what was the whole reason? That's what I is what I want to know.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, obviously, it all it all boils down to. Uh, wanting to inflict psychological damage, right? It's not always so much the physical as much as the psychological part of it, right? So as, as those who, sur- who do survive and get to tell the tale, right, obviously are told, go tell your people, send this message that this happens to individuals that we capture or whatever, you know? Yeah,
3: yeah.
0: All right. Well, do you guys have any other questions? Mm, no. No comments. Nope. All right. Well, we don't have any other questions. Um, thank you, Mr. Solario. We really appreciate like you taking out thank your time. Thank you
2: guys. Yeah. You know, keep keep on learning. Again, this is just one perspective from one individual. So history is about you know and getting more more perspectives and and you know continuing that research to find out some of those why's. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, thank you. And thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you guys. Guys. <laughs> All right, well, we'll see you that guys in our thing. next segment. I'm
3: not crazy I'm just a little unwell, I know. Right now you can't tell. But stay a while in maybe then you'll see a different side of me I'm not crazy I'm just a little impaired
1: I know So lately throughout the end of chapter seven through 10, I've noticed that Billy program has some sort of odd behavior like in the beginning of chapter 9, in uh, page 343, Vonnegut states, a doctor and a nurse ran out to find what the trouble was. Poor Valencia was unconscious, overcome by carbon monoxide. She was heavenly, assured. One hour later, she she was dead. So it goes. Billy really knew nothing about it. Done and traveled in time and so forth. So... Based on this, it seems as if Billy doesn't quite care about his wife's death. Why does Billy, like, act like this? Does he really love his wife to begin with?
0: So I think that maybe his idea of death uh, has been shaped by the Chafamadorians, and they don't really see death as we do. They don't think the person is actually dead. They're just in, you know, like, another life. So, I think maybe Billy is like indifferent to Valencia's death because he sees that she's not really dead. She's just like in another part of her life.
1: But, like,
0: also, but, like, didn't she like have like
1: carbon monoxide and she was like that, like that, like in another world? like, Like, is he basically like dreaming of some sort or like sort of in his time travel thing?
3: Isn't he, I mean, he's currently in, like, the third dimension, so to him, uh, her death isn't really a death, it's more of, you know, she's no longer in that dimension, She's probably in the other ones that the child of see. so she's not exactly dead-dead, like uh, the other subjects that, about death that have been, you know, talked about throughout the chapters.
0: Yeah, I agree, so she's not, she's not really dead Dead, according to the the Chofamadorians, and Billy, Billy, uh, his ideas of death were shaped by uh, the Chofamadorians, so he doesn't see that she's really dead. Okay.
3: Um. I mean, but then there's also that the other girl he was like locked up with, so you know maybe that also uh... affected the relationship with his wife.
0: Yeah, because I think in one of the chapters. It's It said, like, he didn't really love her, I think, if I'm remembering that right. Yeah, I think
3: I read that, too. So, he didn't really love his wife, Valencia. She was, she was just there, but then he ended up, you know, having sexual relations with the one he was locked up with, and mm-hmm. he began to like her. Sounds like a woman nowadays, though, I'm going to be honest.
1: I mean, maybe Vanya gets to picking, like, you know, a woman... And like this current society, I mean, no, no feds, but like you know,
3: I mean, it's not just women though; it's every, it's, it's men everybody. To, it's, it's, men it's, too. Uh, it's like guys just, you know, I'm, I'm, it's gonna sound explicit, but they stick it in whenever, wherever they want. It's like they don't have to love them, and right. essentially it becomes people like fake the love just to be able to have those type of, you know, sexual encounters. And, so it's like currently our generation's not right. So I mean. At the time he wrote this, it was a while back, but mm-hmm. this really applies to the current society. It's like, nobody really loves each other. It's just, you know, money and, you know, sexual relations and there's not really love.
1: And you like, know? what Billy did, like, kind of when he had sexual relations with the girl he was locked up with, you know, it does, like, as you said, like, depict the like, current society today because, you know, you can't really trust no one nowadays. Uh, I mean, like, because you could just like, uh, have relationships with one person, and then they could go on like, expect like, like ha- kind of having a girlfriend. Like, they could just talk to so, like so, someone behind their behind their back. So that's kind of what I mean. Like, go going back to the topic of Billy. Uh, I have also have another sort of information about his mental health. So Vonnegut states, Billy hadn't said much since regaining consciousness, hadn't really responded very elaborately to the news of Valencia's death and Robert's coming home from the war and so on. So it was generally believed that he was a vegetable. There was talk of performing an operation on him later, one which might improve the circulation of blood to his brain. So even Vonnegut, the narrator, gives his indication on why Billy acts like this, or at least in this case, be like a vegetable. But he did mention towards Billy to improve the circulation of the blood to his brain. What does this indicate for Billy? Does he really have a problem with himself?
0: Um, I don't think it's a problem with like Billy. Um, I think he's not really, I don't think he's really a vegetable. I think he's just choosing to stay silent, because um, even when he was in like locked up with his uh, like the hospital partner, I think his name was like Runeford, um, mm-hmm. He talked about like the Dresden bombings, and it it showed that he wasn't really a vegetable. He just didn't choose to talk. Israel,
3: it's it's a it's a hard thing to say because on one hand, you know, the crash they had that could have really affected him.
0: Alright, well, if no one has any other questions, then I'm just going to end it here, and we'll see you guys in our next segment after uh, a word from our sponsors. See you guys. Are those pesty amadorians trying to abduct you again? Take matters into your own hands with the Raygun 7000. This interdimensional weapon will 100% guarantee your safety. Lock and load, and buy today. By
3: which we measure our pain. Welcome up welcome back everybody to the third and final segment I like to call You're Stuck With Israel. Here we're gonna talk about the Palm Sunday sermon that was given by Kurt So I know you guys haven't read it. But I'll give you the gist of it. So, he's at St. Clement's Episcopal Church in New York in 1980. And so, basically, it's Palm Sunday, and he gives a sermon. And he's he's talking about uh, the verses of John 12. So, in those verses, what happens is, so, Jesus comes to this lady, right? And then this lady realizes it's Jesus. So, she brings out this ointment that is, you know, very very expensive in their time. And she she douses his feet with it and she wipes it. And he, she wipes it with her hair. And then what happens is, I believe it is... Uh, comp- he was, like, criticizing Jesus. He's like yo, why why is this woman dousing your feet with this, you know, expensive expensive ointment instead of, you know, selling it and giving it to the poor? And so basically, Vonnegut is saying how this is hypocritical of, you know, Judas who ends up betraying Jesus and stuff. And so what happens is, you know, Jesus was saying, you know, There's always going to be poor people in the world, this and that, and that will never change. And Lange comments on this remark, and he says, you know, how it's a joke, and it's been lost in translation, and it's essentially a noble joke. But uh, comparing it to the novel, I missed it. So it's, it's similar in a way how he criticizes society, you know. Because towards the end, right before he, right when he ends it, he says, I thank you for your sweetly faked attention. And, you know, when I read this, I was like, like, damn, he's just roasting people these days, you know, calling people fake. But so I I, I saw this as, you know, a way of criticizing society because in a sense, there will always be poor people. That is true. But mm-hmm. uh, Judas is saying this remark, knowing he doesn't truly believe in Jesus because he's gonna, you know, end up betraying him for money, it becomes hypocrisy. And throughout the novel, and you know, in World War Two, it's it's very there's a very hypocritical situation because first you have you know the United States and the Allied forces fighting the Nazis, and they're fighting you know, and then when they fight, they. They condemn, the, you know, the Nazis for their war crimes, you know, with the Jews and the gypsies, but then in a the sense it's hypocritical to the subject that we're reading on, you know, Dresden and, you know, all the bombs on the innocent men and women and kids. And, you know, it's I, I, I read this as, you know, similarly, similarly as a, a comment against society towards hypocrisy, but what do you guys think? you
0: know. Yeah, so I think it, it is like a comment of hypocrisy because I think in the novelist they did um, I, I, I think it was the Trafalmadorians that they said that war was always going to happen and that kind of relates to the sermon with uh, you know, there's always going to be poor people. So I see the hypocrisy you're saying and also uh, maybe like if by saying that they kind of disregard the problems at hand and they don't try to fix or like prevent things from happening, like problems in the world. So for me,
1: I society will never change. It might change like a little bit in a sense, but I think overall like the hypocrisy of what you just said, I think it will also never change. You know, we're still gonna have conflicts with other countries, mostly about resources or money. And like yeah, it just for me it just might not change and well will pro- would it probably last forever? I'm not I'm not sure of that.
0: And uh I wanna like ask a question. Yeah. So um in the sermon you said that like he slates at the end like um how people just fake attention towards him. What like why do you think he said that? Do you think that maybe because he's criticizing something that they believe in, they're not going to listen to him?
3: Yeah, because at the start, he was telling them how um, people thought of this as, you know, Jesus, you know, being something against what he said. And it was a sense that people believe that, you know, Jesus is tired of, you know, being um, unselfish and providing for everybody. And wants this for himself, but he's like, he b- believes that what he said won't really, you know, get the attention of of the people he's speaking to because you know they're devout Christians and they want to believe this that Jesus is, uh, you know, such a flawless guy. He doesn't have flaws, and he's pure. And you know, giving this context on what he's saying, he. You know, it's criticizing on how people only want to hear what they want to hear, and they won't hear if it goes against their beliefs. So, say the United States believes they're they're great people, you know, they're fighting for justice. They're not going to want to believe, you know, what happened in the novel. You know, the Dresden bombings, the innocent women and children that died with these bombings. You know, you read the part where it said, you know, there was um, naked high school girls, you know, coming out from the from the rubble or something like that?
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe people don't want to hear negative things. I think that's maybe human nature, but um, maybe their opinions are swayed by something they believe is higher order, I guess. So maybe like U.S. citizens made Think that the US government's a higher order and they believe that, you know, the bombings that they did, like Dresden, they don't really want to hear about it because the government doesn't really want to talk about that.
1: Or maybe for like, they don't want to tell like the younger children about it, you know?
3: I mean, why why would you want to tell your children? Like, oh, yeah, remember the time when we just killed a whole bunch of people? That was fun. Exactly. Why would you you want to tell your children then?
1: I mean, as society, we don't really have a choice, like, because we have these young children, you know, they're in this new world that they're starting to learn about. So why would we, like, tell them about, like, uh, the bombing of Dresden, or, you know, or, like, hit, or some other tragic events like this that we haven't known about?
3: Yeah, and it's like, we want to, you know, hide everything from them, and and... I feel like to an extent, it's pretty hypocritical because, you know, we fought the Nazis. We're like, oh, Nazis are bad. They're nationalists. But then if you think about it, we're nationalists too, you know. we mm-hmm. ju- I mean, what happened recently? We we bombed Syria or, you know, the bombs on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. We just killed a bunch of, you know, innocent, pe- innocent people and claimed it was um, targets that needed, you know, to be destroyed to cripple their army. But. I mean, a bunch of civilians died. So what makes us any better? And just because like, we didn't kill the same amount as the Nazis or something like?
1: Yeah, and we made like a like an atomic bomb just to kill a large number of people. Like the yeah, and there were
3: civilians. Exactly,
1: and yeah, there were civilians. They were mostly innocent people. And this goes for Vietnam too. Like we we basically send out young troops to like fight the vietnamese and you know they're unexperienced and they eventually they ended up killing a bunch of children and women and or yeah like young people and like their mothers
3: so, and then the napalm and then you know burning people alive
1: yeah so there there's a lot of events that that are so, so, like so hypocritical like for us americans that you know, we still kind of tell about, but not really to like, you know, like in current society. Like we talk about World War Two and World War One, but we sort of hide from. We sort of like hide America's image because we sort of want to let them be like, oh yeah, America, we're so good. We have all this, you know, all the sources and.
3: Yeah, and I feel like that's kind of why we hide most of it. You know, the. Uh- the history of early america where you know slaves were prominent and you know right. what they did to the slaves cuz we don't really talk about that much you know most of the stuff i learned was you know from the internet not from not from history books cuz you know we want to we want to make sure everything is biased and you know we don't want, we don't want people to you know feel like we're not uh we're equals to you know what the nazis did or, and whatnot, but it's essentially what people want to hear, and they're not gonna pay attention to something that goes against their beliefs. Right, and this. where what... oh, you go. You yeah, go ahead. Not you.
1: Uh, but this goes for like Christopher Columbus too. Like he has a, he has a day, like you know, dedicated to him. But you know, I learned this like probably like two years ago, or something like that. Like two years ago. That he wasn't, like, who he, like, once he discovered America uh, and he, you know, he saw Native Americans, he he did the total opposite of what he should do responsibly. He ended up, like, raping a bunch of people, if I can remember. And we have a whole day dedicated to him. Anyway, this this is, a day is dedicated literally to Christopher Columbus, which blows my mind. You know, and this...
3: Speaking of that... Go ahead, go ahead. No, no,
1: no. I wasn't going
3: to say that much. No, I was just going to say we should have a day dedicated to Sensei
1: Bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I will agree with that. I do agree with that. uh,
3: Yeah, totally. But, you know, speaking of, you know, Palm Sunday sermon, don't you think there's a lot of, you know, um... Christian uh, symbolism within the novel?
0: Um, yeah. Yeah, I think there is. Um, I think, well, from my personal perspective, from, like, what we talked about, um, like, last episode, about, like, G- Pilgrim, Billy Pilgrim being seen as, like, a Christ figure, and maybe when he dies, like, nothing will change. He's, like, literally the same. And... Maybe that can be like the beliefs of the Chauvamadorians. Once Billy dies, nothing is ever gonna change because death doesn't really mean anything to them.
3: Oh, well, speaking about Billy Pilgrim, have you guys ever, you know, take into account the name Pilgrim?
1: Mm, I haven't. I taken thought of account. it's odd, like, because who had the last name as Pilgrim, you know?
3: But you know, Pilgrim is not you know, being going on a pilgrimage, the same as the followers of Jesus and. To an extent, he travels throughout time, uh, being, you know, transcending from death. That could I felt be. like that was, it was really relates to to uh, this work, you know, Palm Sunday that Kurt Vonnegut spoke on. And I don't know, there's, there's so many things that go on. And then in like chapter nine, they speak of the death of Jesus from Trout's novel.
1: I mean, yeah, that could be a sort of symbolism towards toward his name and sort of him being a Christ-like figure, so.
3: Yeah, yeah. And then going back, you know, to hypocrisy, it seems. Me and Mike, we work in mind. Holy shit, we have good time. Once a week, we get our pay. Holy shit, no work next day. And, I, and when I read that, you know, I Always was laughing. You. You know, but then... <laughs> 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 but then, but then, when you think about it, it's like you know we're we're pretty much as racist as the Nazis that killed people because you know we believe we're superior. We 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 don't associate ourselves with the other races. That well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying, Mikey. <laughs> like, like he we we seem more racist. This than others, is like so one of the examples. Goes, say... I mean, to an extent, because he actually took action. Exactly. But what about all the other people that didn't take action and what the feelings they harness with each other? Mm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you're right. So to an extent we're still pretty pretty because we say, Well, we're fighting the bad people, but what if for the bad people as well? Or yeah, like how to like you don't know how the
1: bad person is going through. You don't know how you know, or yeah, like you don't know how they feel, you know.
3: Do you know but who is the bad people?
1: Or maybe Like, just sort of puts it out there, you know, just to defend their image, you know.
3: Yeah, what about the Campbell guy, the American that you know was with the Nazis?
1: Mm.
3: You guys remember that guy?
1: I don't. Yeah, 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 the
0: one that
1: yeah. I I remember making a segment about him, about one of his uh, his uh, quotes or writings
3: about like uh, poor people, I think. Yeah, it was like Howard W. Campbell. It was like a yeah. traitor, and he he won with the Nazis, and he's an American. So what if some Americans felt the same way, but they didn't take action? So who who is the bad guy here? Just because they took action, but isn't, you know, the same thought and being racist towards other races, isn't that the same thing? Well, Except I don't think... You just don't take
1: action? Well, in my opinion, I don't think any, everyone's like... Well, I kind of, I was going to say, well, I don't think anyone's like, I think everyone's good, but I sort of kind of take that back for some people, you know, but still, like.
3: Hitler isn't good, I don't know I what guess you're talking about. the first person
1: that came to my mind. <laughs> but anyway, but I still feel like, and like, I read about Hitler as a child, you know, he, he wanted to learn more. So I kind of think, like, everyone was good, like, at some point. Like, they wanted to do things for themselves, you know, help their families out.
3: I don't remember if it's right, but I remember I think it was Mister Acavelli. He said, "Um, Chris, what's his name? What's his name? Al Capone. He he had syphilis, and I believe Hitler also might have had it, and something about it affecting their their brain or something. So, what if, in a sense, like think about it this way: say somebody murders somebody, right?" But then you had the same thought of murdering somebody as well. Does that make you any better? But what if you know there's something driving you, like something you can't control, and then you essentially take action for the thought you thought. So therefore, what if the thought makes you bad?
1: Or like your conscience, and right? And
3: it's, it's not just the action. Yeah. So what if you have that same conscience as the Nazis? Say you're an American, but then you side with the Nazis, but you don't take action with them. You know, you fight them just because people say it's the right thing to do but does that make you any better? I mean, deep down, you're the only one that's going to know, but does it make you any better than them? I don't
1: think so. I don't really know, but I don't think so. It's like what I'm trying to say. Because you decided with the Nazis, yes. but you don't take action. But you're also an American. D-
0: yeah. Or are you going to say so? So, like, yeah. So what I was going to say was, it kind of, like, reminded me of, uh, like, James Baldwin and his, like, racism, like, comments, how you there's it's, like, not enough to be not racist. So maybe that can relate back to maybe um, you're either anti-racist or you're racist. And, you know, like, going back to, like, the Nazis, like, if you had the thought, then are you really better than them? Are you a Nazi are you, or are you not a Nazi? There's no, Are like, you imitate. with us
1: or against us? Sort of like that.
0: Yeah.
3: And then let's see here, page two nineteen. There's a quote that says, "God is listening to, and on Judgment Day He's going to tell you all the things you said and did. If it turns out there are the bad things instead of good things, that's too bad for you because you'll burn, it, burn forever and ever. The burning never stops. And you know it says, Maggie turned green. She believed that, and she was petrified. So it's similar to." So, Palm Sunday, what you believe will affect you the most. Because if you don't believe it, it won't affect you. But people only want to believe what they want to believe. They won't give attention to what they don't want to believe, what they believe. Well, their beliefs may, you know, be sort of like, oh, God is, you know, this amazing figure. He will never um, be selfish. But, you know, here says the opposite in the sermon. So in a sense, that's like... It's, like, it's another reference to, you know, Christianity.
1: I was going to say, I I have a question about, like, because you're going to say about Christianity. Should we believe, like, sort of, like, should we believe in religion? Because there's, you know, there's, like, other people who believe in other religions. And, you know, is it really essential for them? Like, should we just believe in, like, one God as, as everyone? Or, you know?
3: Well, well, here's the truth, Mikey. Here's the truth. Say, say, Say you're alone in the world, right? And you have nothing to believe in, nothing that drives you, nothing that motivates you. So you're stuck in the same place you are. But say somebody introduces, you know, God. They're saying God is merciful. God is this amazing person. If you believe in God... If you do good in your life, if you do your best, you'll go to heaven. Now, are you motivated to do your best?
1: I mean, I'll go to church every (laughs) Sunday.
3: But in in a sense, it's people introduce something you believe in. You know, it may not be true. It might be. So you never truly know if it's real or not. But that belief you have will drive you and it will motivate you throughout your life. And that's where essentially each, each culture's religion comes from, you know, something that drives you, something that motivates you. There's no telling which, which religion is right, which one it has a true God, if there is a God, you know. But us as, you know, Catholics, we're, we're going to believe in God. But in a sense, we don't know if he's real or not, but we have the belief that he is, you know, if that yeah. makes sense.
1: But I was going to say,
3: like, why so can like,
1: everyone believe in, like, the same thing? Like, that That's my question. But as you just said, you know, they all believe in, like, different things from where they come from, you know?
3: Yeah, and it's like, I mean, you can never really believe in one thing. Come on. There's people that can believe in equal pay, some people that don't yeah, believe yeah. in equal pay. There are people that like Coke. There are people that like Pepsi. You know, it's what suits you the most. It's not really something universal because there's never something universal that every single person will believe. Because most people agree, you know, murder is bad. But some people like murder. Some It, it satisfies them, mm-hmm. right? So there's never going to be a universal thing where every single person believes in the same thing. If that makes sense. <laughs> you know, there's Apple, there's Android. Yeah, I
1: get you. I get. <laughs> I get your analogy on that.
3: Yeah, and, you know, going back to what we're talking about, you guys, like, talk, have you guys noticed, like, in the last chapters, there was more, so yeah, it goes. especially
1: the, la- the very last chapter, you know, he sort of goes on, very he sort of goes one. on JFK, Martin Luther, and all that, those extor- historical figures, yeah.
3: Yeah, like, so it goes this, so it goes that. And it essentially ties back to the sermon, you know. You're not going to care. You're not going to pay attention if it doesn't affect your beliefs. It doesn't... If it... Sorry. If it, like, doesn't affect you, it doesn't affect your beliefs, it's not going to change a thing for you. So it goes this, so it goes that. You know, people die, so it goes. You know, you're not going to care. And then it it becomes, you know... Hypocritical again, because going back to, to page two hundred thirty-nine, it says, "I find it difficult to understand Englishmen or Americans weep about enemy civilians who are killed, who have not shed a tear for our gallant crews lost in combat with a cruel enemy." Wrote his friend General Eager in part. And it's like you know, people will believe what they want to believe, and here it's like they're they're crying for the innocent man and woman that died. From you know, from what happened, but in a sense, we still kill innocent men and women, and it doesn't really affect anybody. Right. So, so it goes.
1: But essentially, is everything gonna stay the same? Like right now, like, like if we have another case of, like George Floyd, like if, if for example, like we sort of believe in it, like the hype of Black Lives Matter and all that. For, like,
3: yeah, but did it directly affect you? Did you feel motivated to go out and be like, "I protest this"? Or did you did you feel like crying? Not really. Yeah. No, like right?
1: Sort of went out on my day, but you know, and it sort of and the protest yeah, sort like of died it's... off. You know, for the, like next two months, and and it's everything was normal yeah, as, again. It,
3: as it wasn't a hype anymore, and people from even Instagram took it off their feed yeah. because you know. It's not that hype anymore.
1: No. And it was going crazy, like in yeah, the summer, like... everyone was posting about it, and now suddenly days later, <laughs> that was like That was like something I've never experienced before. I always see it in movies, but that's just crazy. Yeah. But it sort of died off again. It sort of died yeah, off like so... for the next two months, and. Am I, like, going back to my question, like, is that, is it going to be the same? Like, are we going to have, is, it, like, another black person, is another black person going to die from poli- police brutality and we're just sort of going to hype it up for a few days and then it dies off? Like, is it going to be like that?
3: Uh, I mean, it really depends because I believe it's going to be the same yeah. cycle over and over. Unless there's direct change. Cause, and there will be yeah. change at some point, but currently right now, no. You still see Mexicans, and you still see people. African-American people getting beat up by police. Or, you know, the recent uh, Caucasian people and Americans, you know, beating up random Chinese women on the street. You know, it's, does it doesn't it make us any better. Are we just going to hype it up? Or is it, you know. Something that does not directly affect us, so so yeah. it goes, you know. Because it may sound bad, but hearing all those, you know, people dying around me, it doesn't really affect me. Like, it's not directly infecting me, and nobody will truly see the true meaning of it unless it directly affects and them.
1: It's just like the sad reality of the world we live in.
3: Yeah, it's it's human nature.s You can't really change it. It's not gonna, you know, affect you. It's not a direct Unless bond. Unless we have
1: another Jesus in this world, that would be nice.
3: I mean, even if we do get another Jesus, would there really be any difference? There will still be poor people, as I yeah. said in the in the sermon. There will still be poor people and people suffering. It's never gonna change. It's gonna keep going on and on yeah. and on. Because you because st- you. Because, like speaking on what I said in the previous one, I believe it was, there will always have to be poor people, there will always have to be wealthier people. You can never have it evenly distributed. It's just impossible, mm-hmm. but anyway, I think I think that will conclude our final segment. We kind of kind of went on yeah, that and was on. a good discussion but the gist of this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. but the gist of this is. There will always be poor people. There will always be hypocrites. Because going back to the English and British thing, in the end, we still killed a bunch of civilians. And we still targeted civilian areas. And innocent people died. And people want to complain about that, yet they still did it. So this world will always have hypocrisy. This world will never be good and bad. There will always be a gray area. And if somebody takes it to the extreme, that's when we will highlight it. But other than that, we will always cover our flaws, and nothing, essentially, will change, because it is human nature. Sad reality. Isn't that right, so Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you guys have any like other closing remarks? Look, I'm good from here. <laughs> To recap, this episode primarily focused on the many topics that related to Slatterhouse Five, such as the World War II bombings, treatment of POWs, Billy's mental health, and also the similarities and important implications within the Palm Sunday Sermon and the novel. Thank you for listening to the third and final installment of the Warmonger Critics podcast. We would like to thank all of our listeners that stuck around for this long journey. Until next time, this is the Warmonger Critics signing out. See you guys.
3: Adios. Peace. Thank you.